thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Dave Kobe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back to the apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 87, headlined by Shamil Gadziev versus Jairzinho Rosenstrike. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as the, our, some of our favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, we're giving you the interviews you know and love. We got a triple header of interviews for you this week. Kicking off the show, Ayman Zahabi, who's fighting at UFC Vegas 87. And we'll be talking to Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who is fighting on that same card. And then a little bit later on, we're going to get some 1FC action in here with Arjun Buller, who is fighting in the co-main event of 1FC 166. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole hawkers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Ayman Zahabi, who fights Javid Bashara at UFC Vegas 87, that fight on March 2nd. So, Ayman, I wanted to start here. Last time we spoke, you know, you talked about fighting a little bit more frequently. We've still seen a little bit of a gap from your last fight, right? It's still <sighs> been about nine months. Kind of the size layoff you were looking for? Were you looking for more frequent? What, what sort of sparked it being this long? Listen, I'm happy it's less than a year. So, <laughs> I'm going to take my win and I'm going to keep going. You know, yeah. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's good. I think nine months is okay. And then, like, hopefully, like, definitely now I have time to get one more in after this one. So I'll, I'm really looking forward to that too. So, but you know, I can't overlook Javid for sure. But I think nine months is not bad. I'm used to a year plus, so <laughs> this is great. Yeah, this this is definitely a better turnaround. And I'm assuming just you know, like, looking for the right matchup, looking for the right fight card. Is is that sort of yeah. what led to the layoff? That plus, I think uh, I think uh, renegotiating too because I. I was up for a contract, so I think they wanted to see how they wanted to play it and things like that. So I think all that came into play a little bit, you know. So, but I'm okay with the timeline. I think timeline's fine. That's good. And now, you know, you just said new contract, so get, give us a little bit of the details. How long? What What are we looking at here? Oh, I got I got four more fights. So I'm really excited about, and uh, it's nice to be on the third contract because you know, like usually, like average UFC career is like two or three fights. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I've had six fights in the UFC. So I have the same amount of fights outside the UFC as in 
And when I fight next week, I'll have more in the UFC than I've had before the UFC. So it's really nice. Like I really feel like a veteran now. And I'm just more I'm more adapted to fighting in the sense of like I'm excited about getting in there and I'm more like it's just like now it's just routine. I feel like the routine has built has been built now. That's awesome. Now I, I want to talk about that routine. I want to talk about the upcoming fight, but I also want to talk about you know what you were doing in the meantime too, because I noticed you know you were you were doing some announcing in the meantime too. I saw you doing yeah. unified MMA up in in Canada. So tell me a little bit of how that came out and is, is there a future in announcing for Ayman Zahabi? Uh, I would love that, man. Honestly, it's a, it was a dream come true. Like another little thing I can do on the side. I thought it was great. Like uh, out of nowhere, Aaron Bronstetter sent me a message saying, hey, would you want to be the third man in the booth with me and John Ramdeen for Unified MMA? It's the night before uh, UFC Toronto. I said, yeah, I would love that. And then he later told me after I accepted, he's like, oh, by the way, it's a Dana White looking for a fight. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he kept a little cherry for me. It was nice, which was cool. And uh, I really thought it was something fun to do because like, I have a lot of fight experience and a lot of training experience. So like I, I thought like uh, I would do really well. And it was funny because like a lot of the feedback that I got was like, I sounded more like a coach in the commentary <laughs> booth. So that might be my shtick, you know, like I'm just giving like corner man advice. And then like during the fights, some of the guys were, could hear me as they were <laughs> fighting and started doing what I was advising. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> It was uh, pretty interesting. So like that, yeah, like for me now, I'm just gonna start doing like uh, I, I'm gonna start my own YouTube channel. So that's my project for after this fight, and I want to start doing like watching the UFC and doing like alternative commentary on YouTube. You know, that's and see awesome. how that goes. And, yeah. and are you gonna do that? Like, is that gonna be like a live thing? Are you gonna be like live providing alternative live commentary? for free? I'm gonna have the chat open, and I want to do it like you know as many weekends as I can you know make time for it and. Uh, talk with the fans and see what they think. And, uh, you know, obviously they're probably with shit talk me, you know, how, how things get in the <laughs> MMA world. And we're going to go back and forth with our opinions, but I just think it'd be a cool, like interactive alternate commentary for UFC. Right. That's very cool. I like that. Now, are, are you thinking about possibly doing that with some people by yourself, maybe some guests down the line? Yeah. So the, obviously the first one was probably going to be like, I'm going to do a test run by myself mm -hmm. just to see how like, the setup is going to go. Listen, I'm not the most tech savvy guy out there. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to have one of my friends come who's like, he's, he knows tech pretty good and he's going to help me set up the first one. And I'll just do like a, like a one off by myself. <clears throat> and then I was thinking about inviting a UFC fighter or like other guys from the gym, you know, and things like that. Maybe have my wife do some with me too. Cause it could be funny because some guys do watch the fights with their girlfriends or wives or whatever. And it could be funny to have that like, you know, that casual, like my wife will be the casual, you know what I mean? <laughs> It'll be hilarious just to have her like a back and forth, you know, it'd be funny. I dig that. I dig that option. Now, I I'm curious too, because you, you mentioned in there, you know how the MMA world is being like super negative and you, you seem to roll with that better than just about anybody, right? Like, you know, you're, you're a guy who, you know, you hear the haters talking about the, the odds on the upcoming fight or something like that. And it doesn't seem to phase you. Is there a reason why? Is there there a, a way that you sort of let that all roll off that, that works for you? Well, for me, I just feel like they can't fight for him, right? So he's got to go in there. He's got to beat me himself, right? So that's why it doesn't really bother me. And it takes so much time to get good at MMA. Like, you can't expect the fans to be that knowledgeable about it, you know? Like, uh, and it's also, there's a lot of uh, invisible traits to be good at in fighting you know like let's say like let's say like uh, boxing for example 
you know how hard it is to be a world champion in boxing? It's no joke. It's no joke. But, you know, you think you can learn, like, you know, the different punches and all of a sudden you know what you're talking about. You don't have no idea. You have to learn about distance, pace, uh, ring control, uh, the different styles, how to counter them. Like, there's so many little things that it's hard for people to understand the layers of it. So I kind of just, like, brush it off. as like, yeah, they're, they're talking out of ignorance, you know, and uh, it is what it is. Has it been easier for you to learn those types of things over the years to being that your brother is, you know, obviously one of the, the premier coaches in the history of MMA and, and just being around him? Is, has that always made that, you know, mental aspect of the game and the layering aspect of the game easier for you? Yeah, it's been easier for me. And it's also helped me understand those layers. And we're also we're, we're, we're lucky because for us, it's a very open door policy. So we get a lot of grades from all the different facets of martial arts, you know, from like Braulio Asima, Roger Gracie from Jiu-Jitsu to Wonderboy Thompson in striking, Ton Lee in striking, Jonathan DiBello. We had all these great guys coming from all these different facets. And then like in wrestling, we're spoiled with wrestling. Like we have Gia Sassuri, he's, he's an Olympic medalist, world champion, and all these different guys come from all these different places. And they all talk strategy and depth and levels of sport. And when you hang out around with the best, you, you start to realize, oh, these are the guys whose opinion matter the most. You know, these are the guys that matter, not the people who watch on TV, right? So that's what's interesting. And But, you know, the people who watch on TV are the ones who get us paid. Yeah. So it is fun to interact with them and to go back and forth and to have some stuff. Like every now and then somebody will bust me up on Twitter and we'll have a nice interesting back and forth. <laughs> I always end up making it friendly in the end, you know, because I, I, I feel like I understand more than they do. And if you approach it in a positive way, they'll turn around. I like that. I like that. Now, I wanted to ask you about having all of those experts in your gym, too, because you're, you're right. That has been a sort of a cornerstone of TriStar and what's made it so great. And so many great people have come out of there. But it's not really the the landscape of MMA in general, right? There, there are these teams and there are these these groups and some people like to keep really guarded secrets and stuff like that. And, you know, you're either on my team or not on my team in some instances. Do you think there's room for more crossover between these gyms? Or do you think, you know, some of some people have to work that other way where they're super guarded? I think there's there's no problem with crossover. I think it's very important, man, to be able to stay on the cutting edge because what's so interesting about MMA, it's so young, man. Mm -hmm. It's such a, it's a young sport. I Maybe it's like, so since 1995, so how many years is that, 30 years? You know, it's it's so young. So, it's always adapting. Even jiu-jitsu, it's a baby in terms of a sport. So it's always evolving. So you always need to bring in all these experts. And it's important to cross over because you, you bring in like uh, different perspectives to solve the problems. Because like, let's say like now for my training camp, uh, I brought in Jonathan DeBella for my striking and I brought in Ton Lee. And they're two different perspectives, but they're both world-class strikers. And it also, it's different from me and Frost's perspective. So we kind of put our brains together and saw, had them watch Javid and like they gave me their opinions and whatever. And like we built a game plan off us brainstorming all together right so because they might have a solution that we didn't see mm -hmm. because we don't have that lens you know depends on the lens you look at it from so that's kind of like that's why i find it so important to cross pollinate with different teams and different different styles i love that now you mentioned the striking of javid basharat which obviously he's really well-rounded right he's won four straight yeah. ufc he's got to be good at what he does at this point but yeah. but maybe the thing that sets him apart from a lot of the guys you fought before is or at least fought in the UFC before, is his wrestling seems to be a level above a lot of people that you fought, right? It, it seems like his, his wrestling game and his top control might be a little bit better than some of the people you fought. Is is that been something you've brought in more people for as well, the, the wrestling side? Or have you been focused on dealing with that that kind of funky striking he has? I don't know if his wrestling is better than the, a lot of the guys I fought. I feel like I feel like with Ginaldo Vieira was a, 
heavy duty wrestler, a much more powerful wrestler too, like with pickups and stuff. Uh, he was really tough. And I think in terms of grappling, I, you know, I fought uh, Ricardo Ramos, who's, who's a black belt, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not trying to diminish. I think Javid's very well-rounded. I'm not, I am not. don't know if he was the best wrestler, but he's definitely a good wrestler and he has very good counter wrestling. I feel like I feel like Javid's strength in wrestling is more defensive and in strength in jiu-jitsu, it's more like to get up and free himself. In terms of uh, jiu-jitsu top game and stuff, I think it's more MMA-based than jiu-jitsu-based. Like, I don't know how threatening he's going to be uh, – submission wise as as he is going to be threatening more ground and pound wise i think i feel like his strength is going to lay more in ground and pound than like pulling an arm bar out or something like that you know so i, I that those are the type of things i prepared for and i also had uh the uh, i was fortunate to have uh, ryan hall come out to help me prepare for the jiu-jitsu aspect as well like you know if he does take me down getting up whatever avoiding submissions countering submissions uh and i have a really good, um, you know, there's the Montreal Wrestling Club here, and we have some of those guys who cross-train with us uh, as well. So, like, I have those guys at my disposal pretty much all year, so I didn't have to, like, bring them in per se, but they're like they're already in the room, you know what I'm saying? And I also brought in Saeed Yakub Kakramanov, who's a stick. Yeah. Listen to me. This guy is good, man. <laughs> this guy is belongs in the UFC, in my opinion, and, you know, we're going to try to bring him back in the UFC for sure. And I, I brought him in specifically to do the offensive takedowns, like have him try to get me on the ground in the MMA sparring. Cause the guys from like the Montreal wrestling club, uh, they don't put on the gloves. They, they, mm-hmm. they like wrestle me like jiu-jitsu style, like, you know, like a uh, open nope. uh, like wrestling, but I brought in Saeed Yacoub to do like MMA takedowns and things like things like that. And I also have, uh, Fred uh, Dupra. He's like a Canadian champion here. 145. I had him try and take me down him too. He's an amazing wrestler. So I had guys for that too. But those guys, I only had to fly in Saeed. Everybody else was kind of like already in-house. Nice. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Now, I want to talk about a little bit more about the style. But before I do, you know, the winner here is obviously, you know, you already both got four straight wins in the UFC. Pretty reasonable claim to the top 15 in the UFC, right? You're both nipping at the heels of that ranking. I'm wondering, is that something that you've had on your mind? Is that something that you've sort of got penciled in? Is that something you think about when they're going to ask you post-fight for a call-out because they usually do around this point? Is, is it something you're thinking about? Listen, I don't really know how they choose the 15. <laughs> I, I know I know. there's like a, a bunch of – I think from my understanding, there's like a bunch of journalists that vote or something, but I don't really understand it. But I know that like – I have a feeling like if you look at the websites and whatever, like me and me and Javid are somewhere in the top 20 ish, mm-hmm. top 20, top 25, top 20, th- tw- between 20 and 30. From what I gather is that like they're putting us together because we both are on, on a streak and they're going to see who's going to move on to the next group stage. Is the next group stage <laughs> top 15? I don't know. Is it 15 to 20? I don't know. But like, yeah, I, I do think about it like, okay, they're putting us together to see who moves up to the next group of guys or whatever i don't know how they how they think of it but in my mind that's how it is so i'm excited about that and it's really cool that you know like uh i'm part of that you know i'm still part of moving up which is really really nice i feel like my my career had a resurgence and i really found my footing now in the ufc and i feel really good about it that's awesome to hear now obviously the next foot that you got to put down is against javid basharat so you know you sort of gave me a little taste of how you feel about his style you think maybe this one winds up a little bit more on the feet but give me the give me the full breakdown. How do you see this fight shaking out? This is gonna be more for the fans that like who love strategy and tactics, because I really I think Javid is a uh, has good fight IQ. 
I think he's very well-rounded, like you mentioned before. Striking is really good. Wrestling is good. Jitsu is very good. You know what I mean? I think he's good in all three uh, facets of the sport. And I feel like so I, I am as well. You know, So it's going to come down to who has the deeper game. Who can solve the other guy's problems faster and, and expose the other person's weaknesses? You know, and like I just have to be be in, be ready to adapt to uh, whatever he brings forward. And I have like a general game plan, like a loose game plan that that I'm open to him being different than he has shown in the past. Because like in my last two fights, I feel like the guys came out and fought me differently than they have. And I had to adapt in the moment. And I, I kept a loose game plan at, the, at those fights as well, thank, thankfully. And I was able to adapt. So I'm trying to do that same thing this time because I don't know if he's going to fight me exactly like he fought Victor Henry or Tony Gravely or Trevin Jones or Mendoza or, or those guys. So I'm not 100% sure how he's going to come out, but I'm ready. Well, you know how I usually end these things, and you kind of spoiled it by saying you're, you're going to stay loose with it. But give me a prediction of how this one ends come March 2nd. Listen, he's got a lot of decisions. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of decisions in the UFC. Outside UFC, he has a, a, a lot of finishes. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, but, you know, I would love a finish, man. Like, a finish on him would really cement me up there with those top guys. And it would be really great for my career. So, like, I'm not going to force it, but I would love to get a finish, you know. And uh, I like getting the knockouts. It seems like <laughs> I'm the knockout guy now. Yeah. Right? I'm like the next <laughs> bantamweight with power. You know? So, uh yeah, a, a nice knockout would be great. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. It's Ben Iman Zahabi, who fights Javid Bashara at UFC Vegas 87. Once again, that fight, March 2nd. Iman, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Bro, thank you so much, man. It's always great to see you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Iman Zahabi. I, once again, am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I got to ask you about last week's UFC Mexico City. Brandon Royval scores a massive upset over Brandon Moreno. He takes uh, the judges' scorecards in this one. And I got to ask, did it feel like Brandon Royval took a big step forward in that fight? Or did it just kind of feel like we didn't see the best version of Brandon Moreno last Saturday night? Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like a bit of a down night for Moreno. I'm not out there saying Roy Vall has ascended now off of that performance. It was good. Don't mean to take anything away from it. But it wasn't like a clear cut, oh, he's now top of the division. I still feel as though, you know, he would have close fights with a lot of people in the top five. So, yeah, for me, it was just a bit of a down night for Moreno. Um, I'd be, I mean, you want to match them up again? I'd be interested to see if Moreno changes the game plan, changes his energy levels, just comes up with something new. Uh, but for me, it wasn't like crazy over-the-top impressive. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he's clearly one of the five best flyweights in the world. But to your point, the energy levels of Brandon Moreno was probably my biggest alarm. I don't know if he was afraid of running out of gas at high elevation in Mexico City or if, you know, something else threw him off, you know, being maybe back around his family or something. But it just seems like there wasn't the output we usually see out of Brandon Moreno. He looked comfortable, but not in a good way. Uh, and, and to your point, yeah, like Roy Vall did what he needed to do to win, which is great because it's a win over you know, one of the best flyweights in the world right now, which makes him one of the best flyweights in the world right now. But yeah, nothing made me think like, oh, we have to run him versus Pantoja again now. 
Because it's, I don't think he's going to do any better against Pantoja than he did the first time. It, it wasn't a big step forward in that way. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think down night for Moreno, maybe a slight uptick for Roy Vall, but nothing that breaks the bank. Well, how about this? What do you think Brandon Moreno's record is in uh, Mexico City? It's Owen. I saw this. It's like Owen three or Owen four, right? Or there's a draw in there. Maybe. There's a draw, yeah. But it's O two, yeah, O two and one draw. So, yeah, man. I mean, maybe he just is one of those guys. He's C level Moreno. How about that? C level Moreno. I don't know if I like C level. But the other thing is too, though, and maybe this is the most frustrating part of it all for me, um, is that he didn't look. He didn't look tired. He just looked like he never fought enough to get tired, uh, which is like a weird game planning or mental space or, you know, like I'm, I'm not quite sure what that is, but but it looked like he wouldn't put his foot on the gas for worry of it. And then it looked like he was all of his energy was there in the fifth. He won the fifth. Well, we'll see how he bounces back. I think the next three fights will tell the story of if this was like the beginning of the the downside of his career or if it was just a blip on the radar. And it could have just been, you know, fighters have off nights, especially uh, if they're dehydrated, bad weight cut. Maybe he ate some bad food in Mexico City. You never know. Uh, And it could have just been a lack of energy. But I'll tell you who does have energy, and it's us, because we get to break down some fights, give a couple of dogs and parlays that we like. For UFC Vegas 87, it's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. But before we get into it, Gumby, I'm curious if we have a sponsor for this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fight Stars and Parlay is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. All right, a uh, fun one here with Shamil Godziev, a minus 155 favorite to Jairzinho Roizenstreich, uh, plus 130 dog. You have the classic hot prospect the UFC seems to really like because they're giving him a very high-profile fight in just his third UFC fight. And, you know, at this point, uh, Jairzinho is a veteran, but a bit on a downswing. He's one and three in his last four. He's coming off a rear naked choke, submission loss to Jalton Almeida. Godziev debuted on Contender Series, got a rear naked choke in his first real UFC fight at UFC 296 back in December. He got a TKO over Martin Boudet. So we're very hyped on him, and he's the favorite here. Who you got? I'm actually not as hyped on him as most people. I'm going to go with Jair Zinho Rosenstrike in this fight. And and the reason why is I I went back and I watched Rosenstrike's fight with Curtis Blades because I think a lot of people forgot he fought Curtis Blades. And in that fight, he stuffed an ungodly amount of Curtis Blades' takedowns, which like, yes, he didn't do the same against Jelton Almeida. I think Jelton Almeida is kind of a freak, and we're going to get to see what he does against uh, Curtis Blades soon. But when a guy has just like, I want to push you up against the cage energy or I want to take you down energy, Rosenstrick has the ability to see through that and stop that. He stuffed, in particular, one takedown of Curtis Blades in the second round as he was piecing him up. And I said to myself, I don't think that Godziev is even close to as good as Curtis Blades is in that moment. And there it is, Rosenstrike picking him apart. Now, time has gone by. Perhaps Rosenstrike has started to fall apart a little bit more. But it's not like he's going to have any question of what, you know, Godziev is coming in here to do. So I'm actually on Rosenstrike here. I wish he was a bigger underdog like I thought he was going to be. 
But uh, I, I still do think he gets it done. All right. I like that call, uh, especially because it is very early, uh, you know, in, in his career at, at, at such a high profile fight for for Gaziev, that is. So I, I kind of like, you know, he's you're only getting, uh, you know, slight money on him as a favorite. You get some dog money on someone that we know has the power to knock someone out. So I really like that play. We'll move on. Uh, Vitor Petrino, a minus 290 favorite to Tyson Pedro a plus 235 dog. Uh, Petrino is coming off a win over Modestus Bukaskis, uh, which was back in November of last year. And in the UFC, he is 4-0 if you count contender series. Uh, so kind of a similar matchup with like a surging prospect taking on a veteran. And Tyson Pedro is, you know, a veteran at this point. This is his... Uh, Ninth fight in the UFC, debuted back in 2017, so seven years ago. Hasn't been super active. He's coming off a win, though. Uh, he's two and one in his last three. If you want to peel it back even further, he's three and three in his last six, so somewhat of a 500 fighter in the UFC. And he finds himself a pretty sizable dog here. Who you got? Yeah, I was not sold on Vitor Petrino coming off of the Contender Series. He did win that fight against Rodolfo Belletto, but like he had already beaten Rodolfo Belletto on the amateur scene or the the regional scene rather. And, and so I was like, I don't know. He won a fight he had already won basically, and then they gave him Anton Turkali, who you know didn't look like a world beater in his first fight back. He's since proven me wrong enough times where I'm like, this dude is legit. You know, like the, what he did to Marcin Procneo with the arm triangle. I mean, he absolutely served Modestus Bukoskis on the plate. The guy's got wrestling. The guy's got hands. And, you know, Tyson Pedro, he's been beat up a little bit. You know, you mentioned he hasn't exactly had the best record. Even in some of those wins, he took a beating. Like, th there's an argument that, you know, he, he uh, well, I mean, there, there's an argument he won the Modestus Bukaskis fight, but like he took a lot of pain and, and anguish in that fight. And, you know, being knocked out by Shogun all those years back is obviously not a good sign for his chin fighting somebody like Vitor Petrino. And Vitor Petrino has since his record has gotten better. I know he's only 3-0 and in the UFC, 4-0 and if you count the contender series, but now Boleto is in the UFC with a win too. So that fight looks even better. He's got a win over uh, Godzimurad and Tiguloff on the regional scene. That guy was in the UFC after that. So like, this is a guy out there beating high level of competition over and over and over again. I like Petrino. I think he steamrolls him here. I like that call as well. Mohamed Mokiev, a minus 270 favorite to Alex Perez, a plus 220 dog. Uh, Mokiev is 4-0, and oh, no, excuse me, 5-0 and oh in the UFC. Looked everything, nothing short of impressive. He's had a guillotine choke, an arm bar, a neck crank, and an arm triangle choke. So four finishes by submission. We love that on this show. And a submission over Tim Elliott, which is no easy feat. Back in October of last year, he's already earned two performance of the night bonuses. <laughs> and excuse me, Alex Perez is coming off two losses and he hasn't fought since 2022. Uh, in the UFC, he debuted on Contender Series back in 2017 and he's six and three, but coming off the two losses and hasn't fought in two years. 
Do you know why it is he hasn't fought in so long? I'm trying to find that out. I mean, there there's like a hundred injuries. Sometimes they're injuries to him. Sometimes they're injuries to other people. Like Matt Schnell dropped out of a fight with medical concerns. Uh, Askar Askarov dropped out of their fight with medical concerns. One time he dropped out of a fight. One time he missed weight against Matt Schnell. There's like 800 canceled fights with either Matt Schnell or Askar Askarov. And then he had a couple canceled with like Amir Albazi and Kaikara France. And like sometimes it was an injury to one of the fighters. Sometimes Sometimes it was medical issues on Perez's side. I mean, it's just like it, it was like the Uncle Creepy run. Remember when Uncle Creepy kept getting things yeah. canceled and, and ruined and stuff like that? He's on one of those esque runs. Who you got in the fight? I'm going to go with Mokayev. I, you know, like to, to the point that you just made there about like, why has this dude been off for so long? There's just so many questions about is he okay? Um, and, and you know, like you could definitely excuse the two fight losing streak with two first round submissions. He lost to Davison Figueredo and Alexandre Pantoja. That's two out of the last three flyweight champions. Like, th- there's no shame in that. But his last win was against Juicy A Formiga. When was the last time you heard the name Juicy A Formiga, dude? Like it. It's been a long time since this dude came out in the win column, and it's been a long time since we've saw what level he's at. And this is not the kind of guy you want to bounce back fight against because the thing about Mokayev is, does he make mistakes on the ground? Absolutely. I'm not sold on his ability to just absolutely steamroll everybody. I think he makes massive mistakes sometimes. I think he he's kind of over really reckless in his fights. But like the thing is, he's got a crazy motor and he's dangerous in every round. You know, you mentioned the sub of Tim Elliott. He just outworked him until it was the third round and he got a submission. He wasn't even winning the early parts of that fight, but he did get him late in the fight. So like with Mokayev, I think Mokayev is just going to put a pace on him. Even if he doesn't get those early finishes, he's got three straight third round finishes. I can't imagine a guy who's been out for as long as Alex Perez has is going to be ready for that at the end of the fight. So yeah, give me Mokayev here. All right. Uh, We'll say there's like, you know, two minutes left on the round and we're going to go lightning fast through these. Our official picks for our dog of the week is Claudio Ribeiro, a plus 185. That's our official dog pick. I know we've talked about another dog here already, but that's our official dog pick is Claudio Ribeiro. And our parlay to play is Abdul Karim Al-Sohaiti, a minus or minus 162, but pairing him with Vitor Petrino, the aforementioned at minus 290, it does get you plus money at plus 117. So let's hear it all. So Claudio Hibiera, I'll keep this simple. He's got crazy power with his hands. He's going to be fighting Chris Leroy Duncan, who I'm not blown away with and do think he'll make at least one mistake. Hibiera only needs that one mistake. And then, of course, I love uh, my guy in the co-mate event, Vitor Petrino. We already talked about that one. But I'm going to be pairing him with El Salwadi because Salwadi was just an absolute technician on Contender Series piecing up George Hardwick, who I think is UFC-level talent as well. And he's going to be fighting Lloyd Radzaboff, a guy who heavily relies on his takedown game to win fights. I just don't think he's going to score any takedowns against Selwadi. So get Selwadi and Petrino there together and get some plus money. All right. You can thank us at Top Turtle MMA for all this great gambling advice or curse us out if we did you wrong. At Top Turtle MMA on your social media sites of choice. Gumby, we're having a party here. What should we do next? So we're going to transition now to my interview with the aforementioned Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who is talking about his upcoming fight with Lloyd Radzaboff this weekend. And I'm going to be talking to 1FC's Arjun Buller, who's fighting in the co-main event of 1FC 166 this Friday. And you're going to get both of those interviews right now. All right, and joining me today is Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who fights Lloyd Radzaboff at UFC Vegas 87. That fight is on. 
March 2nd. So, Abdul, I knew that you won your contract all the way back in August. We talked a little bit after it. You seemed to come out kind of unscathed and like you wanted to get back in there. But here we are, you know, almost half a year later, still haven't made your debut. Has it been frustrating for you? Have you enjoyed the time off? What, what's it been like? Um, let's say a bit of both. You know, I'm the type of person I always stay active. I always have something to do. Um, MMA is definitely my priority. And, um, I was really hoping to get on that Abu Dhabi card right after, you know, in October. But, um, instead, uh, I, that didn't go through, but I ended up doing ADXC, which is a uh, professional grappling in Abu Dhabi, which was a huge event. And I was able to commentate for the UFC Abu Dhabi event in Arabic. Um, so that was pretty fun. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I knew the UFC had something really big planned for me. I just didn't know what it was. And then uh, when they announced the UFC Saudi card, I was like, okay, maybe that's why they're keeping me this whole time. You know, like there's a lot of events here, like in the States, Vegas, Fight Nights, whatever. But, um, and it turns out I was right. They were saving me for the historic UFC Saudi Arabia event. But the funny thing is, is that after the event, you know, they, they, I got signed on the event and, uh, I was supposed to fight in Saudi Arabia this weekend. And then like a few weeks later, they moved the event from Saudi to Vegas. So that's whenever it became a little frustrating is like, I feel like if, you know, they were, they wanted me to fight in Vegas. They could have put me on like a long time ago, but they only saved me not to fight to, to, to fight in the Middle East. And then that didn't go through. So, but you know, here we are. And the most important thing I care about is going out there and performing and getting a win. And, uh, you know, and, uh, whether it's now a month ago, three months ago, it's, it's okay, you know? Absolutely. And and I was going to ask you, too, about, like, the moment that it moved to the States. Because, like you said, obviously frustrating for the point that, like, hey, if, if we were going to do this in the States anyway, why aren't we doing it three months ago? And then, B, I, I, just out of curiosity, how important is it to you to get another chance to fight over there? Because I know, you know, like, a lot of your earlier career, you know, you had chances to fight over there. How, how important is it? perhaps to go back when they do do the Saudi Arabia card down the line? I mean, to be honest with you, it's just, it's very much so a convenience to fight here in the States. Like, I don't have to fly out there, you know, 10 days before the fight. I don't have to get acclimated to the time zones or anything. So I, I love fighting here, and I have a lot of friends and family that will come watch here um fighting in the middle east it's, it's a more like you know it's more of like a personal thing of just going back home back in, you know into the region of where you started where you have a lot of people that will mean a lot for them to watch you in person fight and i'd like to be part of history all the time so you know fighting in saudi arabia the first event is history fighting in abu dhabi is just such an awesome event because I know so many people in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and I have so much fun every time I go out there. So, you know, you put me anywhere, I'm going to have a big fan base that's going to come out and watch and support. And uh, I'm okay with all of it. 
so, but, but I, I definitely do love fighting in the States. Like I, I definitely do love that. That's, that's where I want majority of my fighting to be, but I definitely want to have like, let's say a fight in the Middle East once a year, at least. I like that plan. I like I like having a plan like that. Now I, I hate to do this to you during during your weight cut because I'm sure right now you're starting to limit every all your intake and all that kind of good stuff. But last time we talked, we talked about barbecue skills, and you talked about having yeah. you know a big meal planned for right after your fight last time, and having you know you know, the family around and the people from the gym around, all that kind of stuff. So I again I hate to do this to you during fight week, but do you got big plans for after this one's over after Saturday? Um, man, you know, I always throw down on the grill and I don't really have to plan it up too much. You, I could, I could do a whole, I could throw a whole party on the grill right now, just within a one hour's notice. So, but, um, definitely, definitely, uh, I've been craving some Texas barbecue. I just got, uh, some briskets the other day and I got some dino ribs, those big, big ribs. And uh, some bison tomahawk steaks. So those are definitely uh, right now in the freezer just waiting for me to come back next week to throw them on the grill. So uh, definitely waiting for those. I've been craving some smoked mac and cheese and some smoked queso. Yeah, those, those definitely there. I love it. I love it. Now, let's talk about the debut a little bit because, you know, you you seem to be getting somebody here in a debut that's not the typical of what a guy gets in his UFC debut. You know, a lot of times it's two debuting fighters against each other or, you know, if the new guy's coming in, they're taking on a veteran who's sort of on the way out. But here, you're getting a guy who who seems to be in as good of a place as he possibly can. You know, he's two-time PFL runner-up. You know, he's had two fights in the UFC already, one where he looked particularly good. What did you think about the fact that they didn't give you kind of that standard entry into the UFC that that maybe so many other guys get? And uh, I'm expecting it. I've been expecting it. I mean, just looking at the fight they gave me at the contender itself already, you know, gave me a hint of what's to come after that, you know. And, uh, And I believe, you know, fights like this, the way they're treating it, you know, if they're just going to be tough opponents back after back. I just think that's going to make my way to the title, you know, quicker because, you know, when you do go against, you know, as a debut against a debut guy and you do take that easier route of opponents, then also so is your, so is the timing of, you know, getting to the title. I believe, you know, the, the tough guys that they're throwing in front of me, I have to do my duty and beat them because I don't believe that I'm just going to win a few fights in the UFC. I believe I'm going to be UFC lightweight champion. And to do that, you have to just beat everyone in the way. So I believe I'm going to beat everyone in the way. And I don't think the opponents that will be thrown at me will ever be someone that's just like not good. You know, I think they're going to be, high caliber opponents, but I also believe that, you know, it's going to get me up in the rankings much quicker. 
And is that something that, that matters to you, how quickly you move up? Because I know some people come to the UFC and they're like, look, I'll fight whoever they got. Some people are saying, give me the top as quickly as I possibly can. You know, you, you've got a clear goal in mind. You know what you want. You know what you believe in yourself. But is it the timeline to all of it important to you at all? No, honestly, the timeline is not important. The only thing that really is important for me is that like, I believe it's all related. It's like a domino effect. I don't want to be sitting on a shelf, you know? Um, I believe I'm right now in my prime. I'm just right now, you know, I for the last year, I've been feeling like I got everything going on together with, you know, the experience, the physical part of it, like my, my, my body. I've been healthy. Alhamdulillah, like, thank God. So... I believe that I just want to use my prime right now and not sit on the shelf. I want to fight a fight every three three months or so. I want to do three to four fights a month. Uh, sorry, three to four fights a year. Um, and I believe if I get that and beating my opponents, that's going to get me there quick. Now, I don't care about getting there quick, like I said, but I do want to be very busy with fights. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, I, I, let's talk about the, the puzzle that Rod Zaboff brings, too. Because, you know, like I said, not only is he a well-credentialed fighter in terms of his wins and what he's done so far in the past, but he's also very talented in the cage. You know, he he brought a real wrestle-heavy approach to his first fight, seemed to dominate Esteban Rybovich. Like, what are sort of your thoughts on the stylistic side of this matchup and just how good he is he in wrestling? Um, I believe his main strength in wrestling and boxing is his explosiveness. Um, I haven't really seen him do much of, like, really good chain wrestling, you know, like, like lots of blast doubles, lots of, like, explosive, like, movements, and then when he has his opponents pinned on the cage... Until he locks his hands, he lifts them and slams them. I don't see myself being the guy that he does that to. You know, the type of fighter that I am, the way I move, the way I defend takedowns, isn't like the longer, skinnier guys that he's been fighting and wrestling, you know? Um, So... I believe he's going to have a really hard time with me with the wrestling, with the striking, with the speed, with everything, really. Um, I'm excited for this matchup, but I I do believe that it's it's a matchup that's better for me more than it is for him. I like that. Now, I, I want to ask you, too, because that, that's a that, that's definitely a, a sound point about him being more explosive and less used to chain wrestling. Is, is there a way you prepare for that differently in any way, shape, or form? Or is it just knowing, hey, I'm good with spacing. If he does blast, we get right back up. You know, is, is there a way that you think about approaching the fight or preparing for the fight differently against a guy like that? I mean, yeah, definitely. I feel like, number one, a guy like that, you don't give him confidence by letting him do what he wants to do because if you shut down the only thing that he's good at, which is being very explosive, and, you know, you shut down his takedowns, or, for example, 
he gets you down and you get right back up, that's going to be very frustrating for him. Um, and that expl- as that explosiveness, you know, either fades down by trying to take you down so many times or taking you down and you keep getting up, then, you know, his he gets slower, whereas I believe I could maintain my speed and my pace for the whole fight if it goes longer. Like if I, like if I don't catch him or finish him early on, I believe he will fade because being that explosive, you know, I used to be very explosive before I, you know, started to mature more in the cage and something dangerous about being very explosive and being such a forward fighter is you could run into things that your opponent have ready for you. So I definitely um, do not want to give him the confidence in the beginning of the fight. So either he's going to miss big and get frustrated and that's going to make him open up more and that's going to be more to my advantage. Or, you know, from the beginning, I'll find the opening and he'll run into something he does not want to run into. Um, In all of the scenarios that I have prepared, I believe that, you know, it's going to be big for me. And, you know, my goal in the UFC is to have as many performance bonuses, as many as I have fights and wins, of course. Well, uh, we we certainly love hearing that. Now, you you pretty much stole my last question here, but I'm going to give you a chance to get specific if you want to. I love to end these things with a question of how do you see this at one ending? Give us a prediction. You kind of gave us two there. Do you want to get specific? Um, I mean, I I can't get specific because I don't know the future, but I know that I'm preparing to finish the fight, you know, in a in a dominant fashion, number one, and in a exciting fashion. Now, I don't ever, like, you know, even before this, before there was even performance bonuses in my fights, you know, there, there was only one promotion I fought for, Brave, that had performance bonuses, and I used to win a lot of them. But in other promo- promotions, there wasn't any performance bonuses, but all of my fights would be considered performance bonuses because of just how exciting they are. And that's just how I fight. So my prediction is that I will beat him and I will beat him in a very nice way. The longer the fight goes, let's just say the bloodier it's going to get. Oh, well, we love to hear that. And you heard it here first, folks. This has been Abdul Kareem El Sawadi, who fights Loic Radzibov. That fight is at UFC Vegas 87 this weekend, March 2nd. Abdul, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. All right, joining me today is Arjun Buller, who fights Amir Ali Akbari at 1FC 166. That fight is on Friday, March 1st. So, Arjun, I wanted to start here. You know, you, you joined 1FC, kind of made that choice to walk away from the UFC, this new move for you. Obviously, you you accomplished a lot of your goals. You got the chance to be a world champion. You know, you had the notoriety and all that. But you've also kind of been limited in the amount of fights you got, right? Like only three fights over a five-year span. I know some obstacles and injuries and stuff like that. Has it sort of been frustrating for you waiting to get, you know, in there a little bit more often? Absolutely, man. I'm a competitor, you know. Um, Coming from a wrestling background, used to competing all the time. That's what gets me going. Nothing more than that. Not the promotion aspect. I mean, yeah, money's important as well. You got to take care of your family at this uh, point in your life. But it's the competition that gets me excited. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of other fighters complaining about that as well. 
Um, it is what it is, right? Like at one point I was, you know, I was being scapegoated <laughs> for not wanting fights or, or that type of thing. That's not the case. Um, but I'm excited to get back in there. I'm excited to get back in there, you know, within the same calendar year for a second fight. Um, that's exciting. So I'm, I'm hoping it just sort of continues this way to be quite honest with you. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be uh, active and I'm excited to have this fight booked. Cool. Awesome. And and I wanted to ask you too, you know, is that the ideal time frame for you? Two, three a year? You know, you said you like competition. I know those wrestlers, they'll do 10 in a day if you let them. Are, are you more of a, I'll fight five or six times? What, ideal world. What does it look like for you? Hey man, I fought from when I come from the UFC, that contract and my new one to have three fights a year. I have that language in my contract. For that reason, I want to be active, and I, that those are the number of fights I've always wanted throughout all this. One, I earn more that way. Two, it keeps you sharp. If you don't, you know, I, I train year round. This is what I do. You know, what else are you training for? Or what's the motivation? Or, or that's when you get injured, right? You have to stay sharp. So, um, since I've been an athlete with these guys, my language and my contract has, has said three a year, and I've held up my end of that commitment. That's good to hear. Now, I'm curious, too, you know, a lot of fighters talk about time away, you know, being sort of wasted time. If you're not in camp. Some fighters have talked about that's when they feel like they get their biggest improvement. Do you feel like, you know, having a, a goal and having knowing what you're working for makes you better? Or do you prefer, you know, sometimes being able to experiment in the gym is worth it? Both. You know, you can experiment, but also have a goal then knowing that, hey, you know, in, in, in four to five months, I'm going to have my next one, you know. Um, Otherwise, you can only experiment for so long. You, you lose your edge to what your actual game is, and you just become an experimenter. <laughs> you know what I mean? you got to go to war, too. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about your past fight and your upcoming fight in a second. But before I do, I did want to ask you about, you know, one of the best Canadian heavyweight prospects out there right now, because I see the name Jag Buller showing up more and more on people's radar. And I saw him in an article about, you know, who the USC should be in on signing from Canada recently. And I know that that's your cousin, correct? I'm, I'm not mistaken on that. That's your cousin. So tell me what it's like to to sort of have a guy, you know, sort of working in your shadows where you were, you know, maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago and, and sort of leading him that way. That's how it's always been, man. We've lived, we currently live together and have lived together our entire life. So although the relationship is, uh, is cousin, I mean, we're as close as can be. Right. Um, and yeah, training partner my whole life as well. He had his aspirations as a wrestler. Uh, I had mine as well. Uh, then I crossed over into the fight game and, and, and he came right on over. He's been one of my best training partners my entire life. You know, it's one thing that we always say is, you know, we could have gone, we could have gotten, uh, far in athletics without each other, but definitely not as far together. Uh, we've helped each other get uh, to to the highest of highs. Um, and yeah, it's good to see the success that he's having and has had. Um, he trains hard and, and I wish him nothing but the best. That's awesome to hear. We look forward to seeing some big fights for him coming up. Now, I, I want to ask you too about this matchup with Ali Akbari because it's a unique one in that sometimes you see a high-level wrestler in MMA Typically, you do not see two high-level wrestlers up against each other in a, a, a fight like this. You know, you, you both qualified for the Olympics, granted one in folk style, one in Greco-Roman. But what are your thoughts on having maybe the highest-level wrestling MMA fight, perhaps in history? 
Sure. Um, you know, and there's an asterisk there. I actually competed in the games that he wasn't able to. Um, and I'm proud of that, of, of what, what I am and how I've gone about my life and my character. Um, so that's number one. But yeah, you know, it's 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 exciting to be a part of that. Um, and But I will say this, you know, we both accomplished great things in wrestling, but we've been in MMA so long. Um, you know, I think we have more than just that in terms of skill sets. Um, and, and MMA is different from just a straight wrestling match, you know. Um, and that's what I'm excited for. There's so many different variables and ways to win. Um, that's why it makes it uh, for such an exciting sport. And, uh, and I think that's, you, you know, what you're really going to see here. Rather than us taking a wrestling mat, we're, we're jumping in a cage um, and we're going to put on a full display of uh, martial arts abilities. Yeah, and so often we see those double wrestlers turn into a boxing match because they just can't, right? But I, I also did want to ask you about this too, because again, you know, not trying to harp on the wrestling too much here, but you know, you come from different styles of wrestling backgrounds. Not that both sure. of you probably haven't dabbled in the other, and now MMA has kind of helped you blend them together. But what would you say if you were trying to explain it to a layman out here about the difference in the ways that you go about wrestling versus the ways he does now that you've blended him into MMA? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny when as a wrestler you have a chip on your shoulder, you know, as a freestyler against the Greco guys, and a little bit vice versa, which style is better and, and, and that type of thing, more effective as a wrestler even, and, and who's a better wrestler overall because of that. Um, I just prefer freestyle more because you're not limited. You know, you, you can do the Greco attacks as well as attack the legs. Um, and uh, folk style on top of that, you're able to ride guys and, 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 and all that type of thing. So, um, you know, I, you know, he's done great things, like I said. Um, it's exciting for the sport of wrestling. Um, obviously, Iran's had uh, phenomenal wrestlers. They've got a long tradition of uh, history and success in the sport. He comes from that lineage. Um, if you see his uh, uh, his MMA uh, style, he's been more effective with taking people down from their legs, um, from the freestyle component. So, um, you know, and I'm sure, like you said, he's he's dabbled in that. And, and I know they do in Iran as they come up in their system. So that shows. Um, but again, I you know, I, I feel I'm the better wrestler and especially suited to MMA. Um, and I'm, I'm just a better athlete. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. Now, before I get the final thoughts on that fight, I do have to ask you about the future and where we go from here. Because your only loss on your record is to Anatoly Malkin who is fighting as the main event on this same exact card, right? Obviously he's fighting for a very different title. One that I question whether or not he could even make way for, but one that he's going to be fighting for on this card. How important is that rematch to you is putting a stamp here on Ali Akbari and asking for another shot at getting that done? I don't ask for anything. I earn it. Um, number one, I won't be asking after this fight. I don't, I'm not intending on asking anything now. Um, and to be quite honest, I'm not going to entertain that at this point. Uh, Akbari is the one that stands in front of me. Um, I'd love to answer those questions after this fight. But right now it's Akbari, and that's where my uh, uh, sniper rifle is, is trained. Well, there, there's my, my final question for you then. How do we get it done against Al uh, Akbari on March 1st? How does this one end? Hey, I'm excited. You know what? Uh, he came up through AK Thailand. I was out in California. I always knew about him. Um, and I, you know, I knew we were going to see each other. I, I knew that for a fact, and I, I'm sure he knew that as well. Um, and, and here it is and in Doha, Qatar, of all things, uh, a huge event. Um, you know, thank you to the Qatari government, um, for, for, for bringing us in there. And, and I'm excited geographically, geographically it makes a lot of sense with Iran there. Uh, we got, you know, over 700,000, 
uh, out of 2.5 million uh, people in Doha uh, that are Indians. So we're going to have a big uh, Indian contingent there. Uh, I'm excited to get it on March 1st. Uh, everybody tune in, come on live, queue tickets. That's where it's at. You got to grab your tickets for the live event or tune in globally. Um, I'm excited to get it on, man. I'm excited. I've, I've sacrificed. Uh, I've had a great, great camp. Um, and we've made the necessary adjustments to get this one done. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This is Ben Arjabola, who fights Amir Ali Akbari at 1FC 166. That fight, once again, Friday, March 1st. Arjun, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game of Heart Hydration. And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.